The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Welcome once again to It Came From The Radio, the official of the Apricon. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. With me via virtual distancing, we have none other than senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. Have a toy, everybody. <laughs> we have uh, Dominic Definis Mansferrano. You ate to pay. And we have <laughs> L-Man Jenny Feldy. Yo, 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 what's good? <laughs> On this week's show, we have a brand new segment. We have uh, Chris Wolseley's uh, Chris Picks uh, for Crackle. Um, we have another Jaybird and Lee segment. And uh, Mark, which is me, interviews uh, comic book creator Frank Forte. Uh, but before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. It's more than time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks at Sci-Fi.Radio. That's Sci-Fi for your Wi-Fi. As well as the official... Uh, as well as the... Uh, as well as the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show of, celebrating with 27 years of pop culture and comic book stuff. More information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Uh, tickets are on sale now, I believe, for the next convention, which is scheduled for March 25th and 26th. And uh, we want to give a shout-out to our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portes, Newsday Famous, uh, Dresden Media, Hunchikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, Yasmin Ray, Rosa, and The Huracan. You want to have your own little shout-out, go to our website, www.camefrontradio.com. Go on to the little button over there. It takes you right to our Patreon page, and it's right all month. You can get a shout-out on our show. Um, normally, we start off with the sad news, but we don't have any sad news this week. Mark that down in the calendar. What was that? Mark that down in the calendar. Oh, well, we have a uh, we have almost sad news. So uh, we start off from the not dead yet department. Oh, give him time. <laughs> give him time. That's like <laughs> not dead yet, but counting. Oh, um, none other than actor Julian Sands has been reported missing by his wife on Friday the 13th of January, is still missing after going on a hike in Southern California. The San Bernardino's uh, Sheriff Department announced Thursday, January 19th, that the rescuers are still looking for the actor and rescuers have been trying to retrace his steps via cell phone pings. Uh, the sheriff says <clears throat> a delayed ping through Julian Apple's iPhone-operated system from January 14th provided a possible location in one of the trails leading to the summit of Mount Baldy. This area was checked by ground searches and by helicopter. Ground and air searches were unable to locate any evidence in this area that would assist in locating Mr. Sands. However, the search continues by helicopter and drones whenever the weather permits. Additionally, ground searches will be scheduled when the weather improves and it is safe for our rescue crews. It is extremely dangerous, even for the skilled hiker. Uh, current weather conditions and low cloud coverage makes it difficult to deploy resources to the area when a hiker goes missing. When we do deploy resources, the weather plays a huge factor in what resources we can use. Over the last four weeks, San Bernardino's uh, county sheriff's search and rescue teams have responded to 14 rescue missions on Mount Baldy in this, and in the surrounding area. These rescue missions have been for lost, stranded, and or injured hikers. Unfortunately, during these past four weeks, 
two hikers did not survive after falling and injuring themselves. So he's wow. still out there. They haven't found him yet. We hope they do find him. Wow, that sounded positive. <laughs> well, you know, they haven't found him yet, so he's not dead yet. You know, there's still a chance they can find him. Yeah. There's always hope. Yeah. Uh, everybody's familiar with Julian Sands, right? Yeah, I mostly know him for, from television more than movies. Okay. Charlie? Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no for Jen. Would I be correct in that? Right. Okay. Right. Right. So, so moving on. Um, the Razzies are out and the nominations are in. Leading the pack with eight nominations is the movie Blonde for Worst Supporting Actor, uh, which is uh, two nominations for Xavier Samuel and Evan Williams. Worst Director, Worst On-Screen Couple, uh, with is Andrew Dominic and his issues with women as one couple, as well as both, quote, real-life characters in a fallacious White House bedroom scene, unquote. Worst Screenplay, Worst Ripoff, uh, Worst remake, ripoff, or sequel, and worst picture, uh, followed by Good Morning, which I've never heard of until this very moment, and Pinocchio Ooh. with six each. Um, of note, Sylvester Stallone picks up one nomination for worst actor in Samaritan, which I saw, uh, Judge Apatow for worst director in The Bubble, which I also saw, Penelope Cruz, Penelope Cruz and Fan Bingbing uh, get one each for supporting actresses in the 355, and Fan gets an extra one for the King's Daughter. I also saw the 355. Um, uh, as a Samaritan, uh, didn't you guys see Samaritan? No. Nope. Okay, so that's where uh, Sylvester Stallone plays a superhero, and I watched that movie, and the movie played like three different movies, and all three of them were bad. <laughs> So I think that uh, nomination was well-deserved. Um, did you guys see 355? No. No. It wasn't that great either. <laughs> and uh, what was the other one? Um, what was that? Oh, um, and The Bubble. Did you guys see The Bubble? No. No. I thought that one was all right. So the answer is, the answer to your question, Jen, no. You shouldn't see any of those. Is it political? Um, it's, um, it's about a... It's about the making of a film during the pandemic. So they all have to be in a bubble. And it's, it, they're trying to make fun of the whole situation of trying to make a film during the pandemic. Everybody had to be in COVID bubble. It was oh, all right. Okay. It was all right. Yeah, I only asked because Judd Apatow, I saw his stand up and it was very, very political and very biased. So I thought maybe that might spill into his films. I've never seen Judd Apatow do a stand up. Was yeah. it funny? Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't really laugh at most stand-up, to be honest. I don't really find it funny. I'll find it clever, amusing, or intelligent, or good points, but it's very rare that I'll laugh. It's like, yeah, so. All right, fair enough. Nothing I really against that, him. Uh, Tom Hanks was, support, was nominated twice. Yes, yes, he was. Um, I don't have what he was nominated for, but yes, he was. Tom Hanks was nominated twice. Geppetto. Um, uh, for in Disney, and apparently he's an Elvis. Oh, okay. Um, I always like the Razzies because it's always good to make fun of award shows because they don't take themselves seriously. So I think it's always good. Um, but from we have to move on. From the speaking of the Razzies, how is this a thing department? The Razzies are now under fire for nominating actress Ryan Kira Armstrong for worst actress in her role in Firestarter. The issue, according to the internet, is that Ryan is just 12 years old and is being mocked by adults, which is considered now offensive. The internet says 
The Razzies mm-hmm. have sunk to a new low by nominating an 11-year-old girl whose performance I actually dug. If you're going to continue de- degenerating people's hard work, which you should <laughs> at least target adults, the Razzies are mean-spirited and classless. But to nominate a kid is just repulsive and wrong. Why put a kid at risk of increased bullying or worse? Be better. Um, people seem to forget that this is not the first, nor probably will be the last, child actor nominated for a Razzie. Past nominations were given out to Jake Lloyd in 1999. He was nine. Uh, Mara Harbell, Mara Harbell, H-O-B-E-L, in 1981. She was 10. And Macaulay Culkin in 1995. He was 15. Uh, the Razzie says, <clears throat> I can see how it can be taken that way as mean. I don't think it was how it was meant. I think the people who get upset about it, I don't even know how to say this. The rage is interesting. Perhaps somewhat justified, but I think overblown. There's a righteousness about it. It's the Razzies Awards, for goodness sake. The yeah. internet was trying to, the intent was trying to be funny. In this particular instance, we seem to have misstepped very badly. I would admit that. So what do you think about the Razzies, which is supposed to be the non-awards, the goofy awards, getting picked on for nominating a child actor? Or the, I, the, the vitriol of it? I think... Um... The Raz should get a group of kids to judge the kids this way. When they interview the kids who judge the kids and say, what was your criteria of uh, giving your knock on actors? The kids would say, she stopped. <laughs> you know, so. What about you there, old man, Jenny Phil? You're an actress. What, what are your thoughts on this? I'm picking it for a kid. Yeah, I'm picking for them, a Razzie for, for a kid. Yeah, um, I'm picking it for are, are they being mean-spirited and, know, and bullying? I got to see exactly what they're saying or if there was any, was there any phrase that went along with it? Like you suck. Well, or anything like that? <laughs> no, it's just, they have a nomination for worst actress. That's all they do. They nominate the uh, Razzies. You know, it's your performance is bad. I guess I'm not sure how I would take it at a young age. Cause at this age, I'd be super honored. So I'd say, Hey, start him young. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess I'd be kind of honored if I had a kid and they got that. Hey, at least they're being acknowledged for something. Okay. But, uh, you know, in this day and age, I guess kids can get offended. But I guess, you know, the, the lesson is, though, don't put your work out there if you don't want something, something, someone to say anything about it. Because someone's going to say something positive or negative. So, you know, man, woman, child, 80-year-old, 7-year-old, don't go on camera if you don't want anyone to say anything or think anything. Oh, that's actually profound. What do you got there, uh, Dominic? The cruel business and a cruel world. Get used to it. <laughs> And right, I yes. my, I myself put the Raz out there for children years ago for the kid that was in Santa Claus versus the Martians. <laughs> I I just think this is a little overblown. I mean, it's a the the idea is supposed to be a non-awards, like it's a joke. Like can't people just take a joke anymore? And it's just nope. a nomination. Like uh, no, all right. So moving on. Now, what are you crazy? Can people take a joke in the in the country of I'm offended? What? Well, come mm-hmm. on, stop. All right. So um, we're gonna we're gonna jump to this one since we're on the I'm offended route from the wait what department? None other than Eminem's has decided to retire the animated candy mascot. Oh, I all... thought you were talking about the rapper. Sorry. Me too. <laughs> oh, the candy. M&M's and then candy. he said plural. And I was like, wait, how many M&Ms are there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Due to all the hope. Well, they have a, a lot of tribute bands. 
Go ahead. 16 miles. There was two of them. <laughs> Very good, Jenna. No, no. <laughs> I can do math. I have decided to retire the animated candy mascot due to all the hullabaloo over the rebranding of certain colors. Turns out oh brown. Oh my god! <laughs> turns out brown and green, both female, were changed and, according to the execs, to make the mascot fit a more dynamic, progressive world. Also, the introduction of purple was a more LGBTQ friendly character. Executive says. <clears throat> America, let's talk. In the last year, we've made some changes to our beloved spokes candies. We weren't sure if anyone would even notice, and we definitely didn't think it would break the internet. But now we get it. Even a candy's shoes can be polarizing, which was the last thing M&M wanted, and we're all about bringing people together. Therefore, we have decided to take an indefinite pause from the spokes candies. In their place, we are proud to introduce spokesperson America can agree on, the beloved Meyer Rudolph. We are confident Miss Rudolph will champion her power of fun to create a world everybody feels they belong. Um, of course, some are quick to point out that this is all too well timed with the release of the new Eminem's commercial scheduled to air during the Super Bowl. Now, are you guys familiar of the controversy surrounding the Eminem's? Let's start with that. This is all well, new to me. Jen says new. Charlie, what do you got? New? I'm I'm not, but I'm offended. There's no white Eminem's. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> are you aware of the... there were there are sometimes for valentine's day yeah but that's sometimes why not right all the okay. Time? okay 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 <laughs> sure. dominic are that's you aware ridiculous this <laughs> i know there's something i think it's stupid they're m&ms okay so um the green m&m was the quote unquote the sexy one and right. she's wearing go-go boots and then they got rid of the go-go boots and they uh put her in regular sneakers like everybody else and everybody went crazy. And um, the brown one, I think she was the, the more like the librarian, the studious one. And they like made her more in line with the other ones. So they desexualized them as if you can do that with candies. So everybody was They all have the same shape, round. <laughs> everybody was mad. And then that's just, this is how. So then they decided to change. Then they introduced the purple one. And everybody's like, oh, my God. So now they're like, you know what? Let's just pull it all back. So now there's no more Eminem's candy spokespersons. I feel bad for J.K. Simmons and Billy West. They need that money. <laughs> okay. Especially Billy West. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you got there, Jen? Are you, uh, are you offended? Are you offended of the offended? What are your thoughts? I'm, I'm offended that people are offended. Yeah, I'm offended that you're offended. That, that's my take on anyone that's offended. I think the whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. When you're offended by chocolate, you got to reexamine yourself. <laughs> Oh, a, to, wait, the is that the bar? Yeah. Like everything, if you get to chocolate, you're 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 too far gone. Yeah, once you get to chocolate and you're offended, it's just like time to drop off the face of the planet. You know. All right, Charlie, what do you got? I'm time offended. to time to befriend Ezra. What's his name? Miller. Ezra I'm Miller. A, yeah. I'm offended that these people who brought this up are just plain stupid. <laughs> Well, it, it was it's such a big deal that they decided to get rid of it. So, you know, it's a thing. It's it's such a big deal. I, I think they should turn their attentions to more pressing issues in this world. Besides the size of the, the and the, the color of them. That's almost at like Sesame Street saying we need more diversity. Every puppet in there is a different color. There's no white puppets. <laughs> 
They are, but okay. I'll, I'll, we'll let that slide. <laughs> just, no, really. It's, it's ridiculous. No, they do have I mean, a couple of white uh, the, the reporter. The reporter's a white guy, if I remember. Right? Yeah. Well, Carl, he's, there's actually a white Muppet now? Not like white, white, but he's like a Caucasian. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, he's there's no yellow. Albanian. There's They're no yellow. Albanian. There's no Albanian uh, Muppet. That's true. All right. Uh, so moving on. Uh, yellow <laughs> does not equal white. Yeah. It's Caucasian. From the yellow, the yellow is the new white. Miss yeah. Piggy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. From the that's a lot of nuts department at a recent auction. Department. A one-of-a-kind action comics rocket copy goes for a record $3.55 million. The previous record was at $3.25 million for another action comics uh, number one sold in 2021. What's interesting is that last year, January 2022, uh, the rocket copy, which is what it's called, book sold for $3.18 million. And in September, the same book sold for $3.4 million. And now we're at $3.55 million for the exact same book. For those of you who don't know, or care for that matter, what makes this comics one of a kind is that it's the original 13-year-old buyer who paid a whopping 10 cents way back in 1938. He stamped an image of a rocket ship next to the title, hence the rocket copy, which makes it a one of a kind comic. Um, that actual stamp that pr- produced the rocket ship was also included in the sale. Auctioneer says, this is an 84-year-old comic book in an amazing original condition that launched the entire superhero genre. That is a huge part of our popular culture. If not for action comics and the introduction of Superman, comic books would have likely died off many decades ago. I believe that comics remain one of the most compelling alternative investment categories with values that have room for appreciation and growth, especially in comparison to other categories. Now, what do you guys think that this one book was – First of all, for $3.18 million, and then a year later, balloons to $3.59 million for this one book. You see this in art all the time. It just gets appreciated up in value, so it's not shocking to me. And also, it's like it's not mint condition because there's a rocket stamp on it. Mint condition means nothing has touched it. Right. So why Mm. is it more valuable? I don't know. It actually is going against the rules of what mint condition means. Um, maybe because it is one of a kind. There's only one that has. That's, that's why it's rare. There's only one that's got this rocket stamp on it. Yeah, but then you can just stupid. put the stamp on another comic and then you can hold it, right? No, it because you can't fake the age of the ink. Ah, okay, I got gotcha. you. And I yes, also, I'm also sure in 1938, that this kid put the stamp on it and read it a million times. So it's not like a comic that's been in plastic and not touched, as Dominic said. Right. In mint condition. Yeah. The, the amazing thing of it is that it's not falling apart and was thrown away. So the fact yeah. that it's in any good condition whatsoever makes it, I suppose, mint because it's, it's what? It's almost um, 84, 84 years old. 84 years old. So yeah. there you go. So, uh, Jen, what are your thoughts about? We've always wondered what you do with a comic book when you pay that much for it. Now you know you resell it. Yeah, yeah. It's just the whole thing sounds crazy. Like you're not going to use it. You know, it's like having a car in the garage, but you're never going to drive it. It's it's a painting. If you think of it as a painting that you just put up on a wall or you put it in a vault, right? But you can't see the inside of this book. Correct. Right. 
Yeah, only the outside. So it's just very interesting to see what humans spend their money on. It's just another day to observe the human species, and it blows my mind as usual. So speaking of spending money, also from the That's a lot of nuts department. That's a lot of nuts. The new Avatar sequel has held on to the number one spot in a domestic box office, pulling in an additional $20.1 million in ticket sales in its sixth week of a release, beating out Puss in Boots Part 2, which I saw. Apologies to Part 3. I thought it was the third one. It was only the second one. Uh, was pulled in an additional $11.8 million in its fourth week of release. For those of you keeping track, the new Avatar sequel is the highest grossing film this year so far. Uh, we're about a month in with $197.4 million, followed by Megan. Uh, at $73.1 million. The aforementioned Puss in Boots is at number three with $71.9 million. Um, I saw Puss in Boots. It was a really good movie. It was better than it had any right to be, so I was actually very impressed. I'm actually in the middle of watching Megan right now. It was all right so far, so a little creepy. But um, Avatar is now six weeks in, which is, I believe, one of the highest, one of the longest-running films at number one. Uh, Titanic did it for 15 weeks. So it's, let's see how long it will take. Do you think Titanic will? Um, do you think Avatar Part Two will stay at number one for another uh, eight, uh, nine <clears> more weeks? No, no. We got one no. Charlie, what do you think? Uh, I don't <laughs> care. It's not going in my pocket. All right, Jen. What do you think? You think it's gonna last? Uh, I'll just say no. All right, fair enough. Um, I remember when Titanic came out and it stayed. For 15 weeks, that was that was news that it was number one for that long. And then when Avatar made the more money in half the time, that was also news. And I think we don't have the ability to have movies that have staying power in the theaters. So it was actually impressive that um, uh, Puss in Boots for four weeks in is actually pretty pretty up there for number two so far, which was a pretty darn good movie. So I think I'm, I'm on the fence. If, if it makes it to seven, I, I think it might have the legs, but I don't know. So I doubt it because I think um, Ant Man and the Wasp comes out. So yeah, so once February. a new movie just just pops it right off. Yeah, a big time movie will probably knock it off. Which is once again, as a Jen and I have been talking about this for a couple of weeks about how it's all about the must have it now, the instant gratification that you know it, it, you can't appreciate a movie having legs. As called a success, it has to make all the money in the first two three weeks. Yeah. So let's hmm. see. We have one little last bit of news. Well, if I made a movie, I wouldn't follow that. I would just look at the total picture because that's crazy to judge something on how it performs in two weeks. But I guess that's how it is. But to me, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, you, you got to think about it. I mean, to to look at the other side. You are a multi-billion-dollar company that makes the big movies. They're spending, you know, millions of dollars on this. They want to make right. their investment back. So I can oh, understand right. it, but it's just, you know, let it let it have a chance. Give it a chance. Um, so final bit of news from the he can't do it anymore department. A Los Angeles judge has declared that adult film star Ron Jeremy is mentally incompetent to stand trial on dozens of rape and sexual assault counts after reviewing reports from both prosecutors and Jeremy's defense that says that he is, quote, incurable neurocognitive decline, unquote, from which he is unlikely to recover. Lawyer says, when he was arrested two years ago, 
I said he would be found innocent of all charges. Two years have passed, and with an additional discovery, I realized I believed he would have been found innocent. It is unfortunate due to his mental condition that he will not go to trial and have the opportunity to clear his name. Uh, for those of you not paying attention, or care for that matter, reports, uh, as reported on this very show, uh, Jeremy was arrested in 2020 and has been in jail since being accused of sexually assaulting women and girls uh, between 1990s and 2019. I think it's kind of sad that he's, he's in that situation. I think he would like, you know, he deserves his time in, in court. And I always wondered how this would turn out. So, uh, Charlie, what do you think about this? Wow. Um, I, I think you shouldn't have came to me first in this one. But uh, <laughs> you want to take a you want to take a mulligan? We'll come back to you. Well, yeah, come back to me on that. All right, Dominic, what do you got? I mean, look, if he has incurable neurocognitive decline, which is essentially saying dementia. Right. <clears throat> 16, you know. He doesn't. He can't understand the charges being leveled against him now at this point, so he's not able to um, participate in his own defense. So it's kind of like punching someone who's tied up. Okay. They can't fight back. I'm curious. I'm curious as to what exactly this neurocognitive decline is, and I'm wondering if perhaps he has neurosyphilis. I would mm. be shocked. Interesting. So what do you got there, Jen? Okay, number one, great idea, Ron Jeremy. If I ever get in trouble, you heard it here, I will be having neurodegenerative decline. Um, that, that, that will probably happen. I just predict that. Uh, number two, it's kind of ironic, and I woke up with the song, Isn't It Ironic, Don't You Think, which is very strange because I'm not really a huge Alanis fan. I'm nothing against her, but I'm just not a huge fan. And I was like, why do I have this song in my head? And it's like, oh, it's leading up to this moment hours later because the guy has so much access to women, it's, you know, he's having sex on camera. So you would think, why be greedy and, you know, assault and, and, and have sex out of turn, I guess, shall you say. All right. So, Charlie, you have your, you have your moment. This is your chance. You got, yes. you got a minute. Yeah. The, the gentleman has been in a thousand porn movies. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure that. He was pretty much a sex maniac, but he was getting all he could at that time. And as he gets older, that is that is diminishing. And I think you could lose your mind like that. And, you know, again, it's, it's a weird business. And, you know, losing that. How could I put this nicely? Losing that much man juices has to do something to your mind. In the course of time. <laughs> Interesting. All okay. right. So we're going to hit our final thoughts. The 15 seconds or less, Dominic, go. Uh, uh, I'm, I got nothing. <laughs> she got that. nothing. <laughs> Jen, 15 seconds or less. Does retaining your man or woman juice make you more powerful? That's my question. Charlie, 15 seconds or less, go. Yes, let's let's just be nice each other, erase the hate, and don't even give the different colored M&Ms a thought. So with that, we're going to take our break. We'll be right back with We Came From The Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. 
We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio. sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Hey guys, this is Kari Payton. You're listening to It Came From The Radio. So keep listening. Hello friends, this is Ranger Rob, and I'd like to talk to you about dog poop. That's right, dog poop. I invented Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, a very large bag with handles. My bags support large and small dogs, and smell like lemon. They are strong and affordable. You can find Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags at Amazon. They come in sheets or in rolls, and come with a dispenser. Once you try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, you'll never want to go back. So come join us. Go to Amazon and try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags today. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jaybird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about The Godfather. Godfather Part 1 as part of our Mafia series. Mm, yep. Are you ready, Riley? You're here. Yeah. You're part of it. You know why you're part of this one? Yeah, because we all watch it. Yeah, um, and because it's what? Your number 100th film that you liked? Oh, first film. Oh, wake up there, my friend. You're first. This is your favorite movie of all time. Yep. Are you sure about that? Positive. All right, why is it your favorite movie of all time? Because I just like how there is action and all these guys killing these guys, and plus it's um, mafia and stuff like that. That's it? What about, it's about the family, right? Oh, it's yeah, about- plus I like the, um, the guy's voice. Um, Michael. <laughs> you like Michael you like <laughs> you like Marlon Brando who 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 speaks like I give you an offer you can't I make you an offer you can't refuse right make you an offer I make, I'll you... make you an offer you can't refuse that's pretty good I thought that was pretty good <laughs> you know I think your pop Gary used to stick um cotton balls in his yeah mouth. no we have cotton balls i found them you do oh so you're gonna didn't you do it well i do with, with tissues. tissues oh you do with tissues but i think that's what marlon brando did i think he actually put them in his mouth yeah his face looked chubbier his face was a little chubby because of that but yes <laughs> you know but is that the only reason because of you liking that movie or did you yeah because the, uh, the <laughs> because the second and third movies they didn't have them i know and but... i like the voice and plus he was just and he was just good at it. He was very cool. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. But did you like watching like how Michael Corleone, who was his youngest son, became the mafia boss? And like first he started yeah. off as a good dude, and then became. You like the song? I think <laughs> yeah, that, that song was good. I actually have that on my Spotify list. Do you really on your Spotify? Did you know? So you like the soundtrack of this? You know, people watch this like every Christmas. Why Christmas? I don't know. That is weird. Wait, why Christmas? I don't know. People like watching it. They used to watch it every Christmas in the back in the day because I was thinking it was just. But it was all about family, right? So it was all about family. Um, did you know your your pop Alan actually used to know the person who wrote 
this who movie. was he? Mario Puzo is the guy who wrote the book, but his uh, he knew his daughter. So he knew the daughter of Mario Puzo. How they know each other? I think they went to high school together or it's something. A small world after all. Isn't that weird? So you're like actually when they like three degrees to to um, the no, Godfather. Four. 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 I guess four. Yeah, I guess so. You could link yourself almost to the mafia movie Godfather because you know somebody who knows somebody who actually made the movie. You know somebody who knows somebody who that's knows right. somebody who that's, knows somebody. That's what it's all about, you know? I, it's so funny because you can do Six Degrees. There's a there's a thing called Six Degrees to Kevin Bacon. So they say you could link yourself or anybody, any actor is linked to Kevin Bacon in Six Steps. How? Well, that's another story. I could, I could link to Kevin Bacon in like three. Who's Kevin Bacon? How do you link? He's an actor. Can we? So that means we can in four. What? Kevin Bacon. You're close to Kevin Bacon. How are we close to Kevin Bacon? Because I'm close to Kevin Bacon. Because I know a guy who was in one of my movies that I wrote that was close to Robert De Niro, and Robert De Niro was in a movie with Kevin Bacon. So Kevin <laughs> so. Bacon, Robert De Niro, that's one. And then this other Robert guy. De Niro to the Wait, other guy. Wait, so... You. So yeah, that is three steps in the me to you. That's who. Yeah, see? We're close to we're close. We're that. close to Kevin Bacon and Robert De Niro. What do you mean by close? Like, you could kind of almost <laughs> link yourself to them. Like, it's almost like you're close enough to meet them. Like, you, you can kind of relate it to them in a certain way. But what? Who's so good at... What's Kevin Bacon? We are... Kevin Bacon's a guy. He's an actor. I'll show you Footloose. Did you ever see Footloose? I don't remember. All right, forget it. We'll do... You know what? We're way off on the subject right now. Oh, yeah. No. So, did you... So, The Godfather, did you like anything? Did you like Fredo? Did you like... Ugh. Yeah, Fredo was like a weird dude. Sully. I liked... Who? Sunny, Sunny, Sunny. I like Sunny. I like Sunny and that bald guy they adopted. No, oh, I, don't, like I don't really like. I don't really. No, I do Robert like Duvall. Him. Yeah, the, I like that the Sunny and not Fredo, and I not like and not, I don't like the sister. Sister's right. bad. The sister was pretty good. Nah. She was in Rocky. Mm. All right, whatever. Okay. Anyway, did you like? So you like this movie? You say it's the favorite of all time. Yep. Can't really say a reason though, aside from yeah. except for like shooting guys and oh yes, I really love. <laughs> All right, anyway, we're off to the next movie. Yep, Godfather number two. Here we come. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Bye. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to Champion Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via virtual distancing. Of course, we have none other than comic book creator, Frank Forte. Say hi, Frank. Hey, Mark. How are you? I am doing well. So, Frank, I hear you got a book uh, that's coming out. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the project? Yeah, so Frank Forte is my name. I've been doing comics since the 90s. I did a lot of the black and white stuff, Vampire Versus, worked with Cry for Dawn, Boneyard Press. Uh, Later on, moved out to L.A. to work in animation and film, where I did storyboards on stuff like uh, Bob's Burgers, Solar Opposites, Hi Hi Puffy Amayumi, recently She-Hulk, Lovecraft Country, 
than none too. But getting back into comics, like I've always published comics under my banner, Asylum Press. And we're a small press horror comics publishing company been doing it since 1999 uh we publish stuff like warlash fearless dawn vampire versus zombie terrors vampire macabre satan's powder room like we've done a bunch of stuff but we're we're small and we're indie so we don't put out a lot of books but recently we've been putting out more stuff we've been doing kickstarters the new book is called Fearless Dawn, The Bomb. Now, this book has been published under The Bomb trade paperback in like 2010, which was the origin of Fearless Dawn, but we never put it out as a series. So we don't feel that the origin of Fearless Dawn ever got the readership that it could have if it was put out as a floppy series. So it's going to be a four-issue series. Steve is reworking the art, and you're going to be able to see and read how Fearless Dawn got her powers, got her costume, who her friends are, who Helga is. It kind of starts from the beginning, and um, it's a really great series. So it's in previews now, and you can pre-order it by January 18th. But if that date has passed, you can order it anytime in your comic shop. Diamond will have it, so just... You know, just make sure, hey, just order it or pre-order it. And it's a four-issue series, so it's going to be going bi-monthly for the next uh, four months. All right, so let's, let's, let's break this down. So first question is, you said that he's, uh, uh, he's reworking the art. Does that mean he's going back to the original script and redrawing everything or just, like, making small tweaks to the artwork? I would say it's more small treatments, like he's adding some gray tones, he's fixing a few things. They're not major changes, but we're just kind of – tweaking it a little bit and maybe reworking some of the words but they're not it's not a major difference from the bomb trade paperback if you have it um and we're just making the story a little more coherent so that it works in the bomb there were a bunch of these short stories of uh these other little characters these ancillary characters so we might take those out to give more room for the story and then the other thing was there was a fifth issue for the bomb. So we're just combining the five issue series into this four issue series, I guess. So there's an added chapter at the end that was never seen before. Oh, cool. Now you did say you went from, uh, you went from doing comic books to storyboarding to back to comic books. So can you tell us a little bit about the difference of how storyboarding works compared to doing comics? Well, storyboarding is basically like comics because you're taking the script and you're drawing it out like you're drawing boards for the director so that in animation it could go off to be animated or, you know, the writers and editors could just look at it and see how the script is working. And then in live action, you're working with the director to draw out the script so that it makes it easier when he gets on set so he could tell the, you know, the uh, camera guy and the special effects guy and the light grips. Hey, this is the shot. Let's set this up. If you don't have storyboards and you get on set, a lot of directors work that way. It can still work, but there's a lot more explaining that has to be done. Well, we want this. He's going to be over there and he's going to be there. And we have, you know, it's going to be a medium. Wait, a medium. Wait, this low angle, high angle with a storyboard. He could just put it up and go, this is the shot I want. Let's set this up. And then from there, they can always make adjustments. Let's go a little wider, a little closer. Let's, and the, and the camera guy could, hey, let's move the camera a little bit. But it's a basic blueprint of what the shots are. 
and it just makes things run smoother on the set. You're basically telling stories. A lot of comic book artists do really well as board artists because they know how to draw everything. They could draw cars, guns, monsters, everything. Um, and you just draw a little looser. That's the thing. You don't, it's like a comic book without the ink stage. So you're drawing loose because you got to draw fast. So it's kind of like comic book rough pencils, I guess you could say. That's a storyboard. Um, and it's real fun. Like I really like doing it. I like working on big projects, on small projects. I do a lot of horror stuff. Uh, but you know, during COVID, I had some downtime. I was like, I got to get back into my comics because I, I love comics and I never stopped doing them. It's just that when you have a full-time job, you can't put out that many comics per year. So maybe I was doing one or two. So I just kind of upped it during COVID and I'm going to attempt <laughs> to do more comic publishing with the day job, you know, if possible. So <laughs> we'll see how that works out. So, you know, it's definitely a challenge. So since you were around in the 90s, and I do remember Silent Press, that name does sound familiar. Did you ever go like New York Comic Con or um, oh, yeah. actually not New York Comic Con? It was the creation conventions and the Big Apple Con. Like oh, I've yeah. heard the name before. Yeah, I was I was from Connecticut, so I went to the Great Eastern shows. I've been going to Great Eastern shows from '91 till you know till they ended. But I did Big Apple, I did the Boston shows, I did all the Connecticut shows, I did the Rhode Island shows. I would do Jersey, Philly, and I did those from '91 till you know I left for LA, which was like 2002. So I did all that stuff. Um, I started Asylum in '99, but in between that, I was doing. I take my book Vampire Verses, which CFD published, and, you know, some other indie stuff. And I was always at those shows. So what is the biggest difference between back then making comics and now making comics? I mean, wow. I mean, I think back then there just seemed like there was – it seemed like there were less titles. So there was more fervor for, like, an independent publisher, like – I fit in there right with, you know, Lady Death and Razor and Boneyard and Cry for Dawn and all the guys like Jim Ballant and all those guys. Like I was doing black and white, you know, mature readers horror. And when you went around, there was just a lot more. It seemed like there were more readers for that stuff. And indie stores would carry you and you could do a signing and people would show up. It just seems like there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more distraction. Printing was cheaper. You know, you would easily do a print run of two or three thousand and you could get rid of the books like you could have stores buy them wholesale. You'd have there were more distributors. You could do shows and you just move the books faster. I think today it takes a little more time to move the books. I mean, there's and there's so many variants. Like, I can't believe when I go on whatnot, there's like variant this, variant that store variant, you know, Chrome variant. I mean, you thought the 90s had variants? I think there's way more variants today than there was in the nineties and the nineties was like known for that. So it's hard when collectors I think are spending $300 on these variants. And it's like, dude, I just want you to buy my $4 book. It's a good book. I just want <laughs> you to read my book. Like it's a cool story. Like you don't need to pay 300 for a variant when you could get a story for four bucks, you know? So I think it's a matter of finding that audience is always the challenge that I've had for an indie publisher that doesn't publish regularly. Like that's the thing. Like you could go to our website, asylumpress.com and get all the back issues. But the thing is we don't appear in comic book shops on a regular basis. 
so people forget you. But we are creating. It's just we don't have the output of big publishers. That's the thing. But we never stopped. We've been putting out comics since 99, you know. So what do you think would be the the key for independent creators out there? Because once again, as you mentioned, usually they are independent and they they don't publish on a frequent or consistent basis, but they do publish. So what do you think personally is the key to keep people um, coming to your way to your stuff as an independent creator? Yeah, right. Well, social media is great because at least like people could follow you and see that you're still doing stuff. In the 90s, if you didn't put anything out, you had to run an ad in like CBG or something to say, hey, I'm still here. Like people didn't know you. But we update our blogs. We update our website. We update our newsletter. Um, I try to go on podcasts like this, radio shows, whenever I can to try to get the word out. I'm always on YouTube. I'm trying to use more indie distributors like comics mainstream comics distro or powerhouse and these guys are really like micro indie distributors that also set up at comic book shows and i really like that to have my book being you know sold at local comic shows regionally being on a table i think that's really important because being in la i can usually only do west coast shows so I like the idea that I have these guys doing comic shows. So I would love to sell more wholesale to comic book guys that do comic shows and or retailers. If anyone's listening, hit us up on our website because um, I really want to sell more direct. I think that's a great way to get the stuff out there because I am c- carried by Diamond, Lunar. I use other distribution methods like Fair and Creo 8. These are on sale online wholesalers that are they sell to like retail locations like um you know like a spencer gifts or a hot topic when it was indie but they also sell to comic shops so i really do a lot to get the books out there on a wholesale level um but it's just everything it's everything you got to do shows you got to sell to show dealers you got to sell to whatnot dealers you have to sell to stores you got to do store appearances i mean it's just Everything it always was, and I think more because now you have podcasts and social media. So you're constantly, you know, promoting and selling yourself. It's crazy. So we're almost out of time. We have about three minutes to go. So let's do the social media post beyond the website. Where else can people find you? Uh, so on Instagram, personally, I'm Frank Forte Art on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Asylum Press is just Asylum Press. Um, at Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, AsylumPress.com. I'm also on WhatNot as Frank Forte Art. And, uh, you know, uh, Facebook, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, FrankForte.com is my personal site. And you can find me on Facebook, Frank Forte and Asylum Press. So I'm all over the place. Um, but definitely check us out. And you can sign up for a newsletter if you want to know more about what we're doing, what we're publishing. Got a bunch of new books for... Uh, 2023 coming out. And you mentioned you had a YouTube page as well. Uh, YouTube or Asylum Press on YouTube, and then I have another YouTube channel called Goon Cartoons, which is where I do animation. I put up old vintage Betty Boop cartoons, public domain cartoons. I do read throughs of old comic books and magazines and art books, and um, I do all sorts of crazy stuff on there. So I kind of have two YouTube channels. Oh, cool. So um, I guess uh, we have about two minutes to go. 
I guess my final question is, you mentioned that you do storyboarding and you work for animation studios. Have you ever thought to make an animated series of your comics? Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to do that. And then we've done some pencil tests and we've done, I mean, like on Goon Cartoons, if you go to Goon Cartoons on YouTube, you'll see a bunch of animated shorts that I've done. Nothing, I don't think, is anything from the comics that I've done, but they're just like these little shorts like you'd see on Adult Swim or Late Night. They're kind of simple, you know, but they're kind of more for adults. So they're kind of like what you would see on Adult Swim or like on MTV, like kind of, you know, Bill, Bill Plimpton or Ralph Bakshi kind of just alternate, limited, you know, what you'd see in the 90s when you'd go to an animation film festival or something so we are doing original content there um would i do warlash or fearless dawn or anything as an animated series sure i mean i guess i would storyboard it first i'd put an animatic together which you could see i I could do that and put that online um but to animate you know an action show myself would be kind of difficult it would be much easier to do like um a bob's burgers or a rick and morty or something where two characters are talking you know more like a sitcom right that i could do pretty easily but when it comes to like action adventure just a little more time consuming a little more difficult so we are almost less than a minute to go so do you have any final thoughts um if you guys are into indie comics and into indie horror Definitely check out Asylum Press. Check out Steve Mannion's Fearless Dawn. I mean, he's an amazing creator. He's from the East Coast. He's from Jersey. You guys have probably seen him at shows on the East Coast, but we're trying to make a push of his character, Fearless Dawn. Fearless Dawn the Bomb is the origin story. We have all the back issues, the four-issue miniseries, all the one-shots. There's about six one-shots. He just did a new one called Fearless Dawn Shorts, which is six short stories. So definitely check him out. Um, Vampire Macabre, we're working with Tim Vigil. Zombie Terrors is coming out. We have a bunch of new horror anthologies that will be out this year. I guess just ask for us at your comic store. Read previews. We're always in previews. And just pre-order the books if you can in the comic shops. That helps us get more orders from the comic shops. All right. So as Frank said, just go to his website, check out his stuff, buy his stuff, and that will be my final thoughts. So with that, we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with Came From the Radio. Great, Mark. Thanks, man. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. Hey, it came from the radio fans. It's Chris Woolsey, the king of streaming, here to tell you about what's hot on Crackle in January. For those of you that don't know, Crackle is a free entertainment streaming service that has thousands of movies and TV shows that you can watch for free anytime. We have originals and exclusives that you can only see on Crackle, as well as tons of Hollywood blockbusters and your favorite classic TV series. It's easy to start watching. Just go to your favorite app store and download the Crackle app for your connected TV, your tablet, your mobile phone, or on your computer. You can just go to crackle.com and start watching anywhere you like to watch 
entertainment for free, you can do that with Crackle. Open up the app and start watching today. It's that easy. Um, but on Crackle uh, this month, Chris Picks, um, I will say probably my favorite right now is um, a series called Ghost Wars, which was originally a sci-fi original series. And we now, if I'm not mistaken, we're the only place you can see it for free. Um, it's from the producers of Fargo and Hell on Wheels. Um, it's got a star-studded cast, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, Kim Coates from Sons of Anarchy, uh, and we actually have meatloaf in his final tv appearance he is great in this series as he was uh we know him as a you know 80s music icon but he was also a really talented actor and um this series is phenomenal so it takes place in this little town in the middle of nowhere alaska and for reasons no one seems to understand the town is being besieged by these supernatural experiences that people are having and it ends up that there is a young man in town whose dad is this world-famous psychic. And this this uh, young man has apparently inherited some of his dad's ability, and he's the only person in town who can actually see the ghosts that are causing all of these terrifying situations. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio, obviously from Men in Black, uh, plays this crazy, unhinged preacher. Uh, Kim Coates is kind of an ally for um, uh, this young man, Roman Mercer, uh, played by Alvin Jogia. Um, who has to step up and try to rescue this town from destruction. It's awesome. If you're a fan of uh, uh, the series Supernatural, you're going to love this one. Check it out. And then in the uh, feature world uh, this month, I really like... See, the the thing with Crackle is we have this uh, programming team that scours the entertainment landscape and they find these gems that you just can't see anywhere else. And one of these films, uh, Naked Singularity, is outstanding. It's produced by Ridley Scott, who obviously produced The Martian, Blade Runner, Gladiator, half the movies worth, worth watching for the last 30 years. Stars John Boyega, uh, who plays the reformed star trooper, star trooper from uh, Star Wars, obviously, Stormtrooper, um, and Olivia Cook from House of the Dragon, Ready Player One, uh, Bill Skarsgård, who plays Pennywise in It, and this is a great film. Um, John Boyega plays this public defender who really wants to help people, but unfortunately the system is just grinding him into powder, and come to find out through his relationship with one of his defendants, he finds out that there is a ton of money to be had that he can use to help other people. But in order to do that, he's going to have to go to the other side of the system. Um, Really amazing performances all the way around. Naked Singularity, check it out. Um, Another favorite, um, Blast from the Past. So Brendan Fraser's all the rage right now with his Golden Globe win for The Whale. Um, we've got a 2013 film called Breakout of his uh, where he is a felon in prison, finds out that his children are missing after witnessing a murder, and he has to break out of jail in order to rescue his kids. Um, finally, uh, Cold Comes the Night. I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan, and this stars Brian Cranston at his most terrifying um, plays a mobster who uh, kidnaps a child in order to get his car back, which is filled with cash. Um, 
It's a great uh, feature. It's a edge of your seat thriller. Highly recommended. Um, Logan Marshall Green is in it from Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, Alice Eve uh, plays uh, this beleaguered motel owner um, who has to go to all lengths to rescue her daughter. So check out Cold Comes the Night. Again, this is uh, your Crackle Hits, and I am Chris Woolsey, and I will see you next time. Thanks much. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Hey, I'm Mike Kingston, the writer and creator of Headlocked. And I am WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler. And guess what you're listening to? You're listening to It Came From The Radio! If you had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio. The sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! So that about does it for this week on the Came From The Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of the show, tough. go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, indievolt.com, centraloregonradio.com. Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.